You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Hey, good morning, Crosspoint Community Church. It's Pastor Chris here, and I just want to take a moment this morning and just hey acknowledge hey i i'm not where i'm normally at and uh that's the obvious but i'm at an undisclosed location and thinking about you guys and as we continue our series next door and this idea of blessing our neighbors blessing our community and blessing our world as we grow in a deeper intimacy with jesus christ I want us to begin today thinking about the very first part of this blessing, which is our prayer life, and that the blessing begins with prayer. So how does blessing our neighbors require prayer? Well, if loving God with all of our being requires us to to love our neighbor, it definitely makes sense for us that talking to God about our neighbors is the first step. As a matter of fact, Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom said it this way. We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. In other words, when we pray, we open ourselves up to the opportunity to be vessels in the hands of God. So this morning, as we begin this journey and thinking about prayer, I wanted us to just be in one of the places that many of us feel closest to God, and that's in nature. So even at this moment, as I'm talking to you, you can probably hear the birds chirping, and as I was standing here just a second ago, a bunny rabbit jumped out of the bushes and scared me almost to death, but was going about, and so just the the beauty of nature is one of those places that we have a tendency to like to go to just rest and reset and pray and have a sense that we're close to our Creator, that we're close to God. And so one of the things I want you to get this morning is is that so many times when we think about prayer, we think we've got to just be in a room secluded with our Bible and on our knees praying, and yes, that's definitely a part of it. But more often than not, as Scripture says to us, pray without ceasing. That requires us then to, as we go about our day, to be praying. So when you're driving the car, you're not praying with your eyes closed, hopefully. As you pull up to your kid's school, you're praying over your children, but you're also praying over the school and the teachers and the administrators as you pull up to work and you anticipate a difficult day, maybe a tough meeting or some some tough work ahead of you, you stop and you pray and you just ask God, 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 will you make yourself evident today in this place? And so this morning, as we think about this idea of the blessing begins with prayer and that it should be obvious for us to understand and to know that we have to pray for our neighbors, whether that's Literally, our next-door neighbor, whether that's our neighbor at work, whether that's our neighbor at school, wherever that neighbor may be, 
that God wants us to pray without ceasing. And one of the things that he wants us to be praying about is those that we come in contact with. Because we do not know what is happening in their life. And so it gives us an opportunity to begin to allow God to open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, to see our neighbors in a different way. That they may be in the midst of one of the most difficult seasons of life. And just by us interacting with them and interacting them with an open heart and an open mind, because we've prayed for them, can change everything. Even thinking about prayer, Jesus, whenever he began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, it says to us that Jesus, after his baptism, was led by the Holy Spirit and went into the wilderness for 40 days, and he prayed and he fasted. So when Jesus began his ministry, right after his baptism, the very first thing that he did before he began his public ministry was to spend 40 days away in intentional prayer and fasting to be ready for what God had for him for the next few years that were ahead. And immediately in the midst of that 40 days of prayer and fasting, as we see a little bit later on in in Luke chapter 4 and in John chapter 4, that Satan came and, and tempted him. And that one of the ways the scripture says that he was able to overcome temptation was by the fact that he had spent time with the Father and had power and authority from the Father because of the intimacy of his relationship and also because of his knowledge of the Word. But also, not only when Jesus began his public ministry, but also when Jesus was to choose the disciples, those guys that were going to hang around with him and and have those intimate moments with him over the next three-plus years, he went up to the mountainside and he spent time praying. He set aside. He knew he had an important decision and important decisions to make. And he sought the counsel of his father. And it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 16, says this. One day soon afterwards, he went into the mountains to pray. And he prayed all night. Now, that's a long time. I don't know how many of us can, can sustain prayer all night without falling asleep. But Jesus had a seriously massive decision ahead of him, and he understood the magnitude of that decision. And so for us as well, how many times do we have extremely serious decisions to make? And how much prayer goes into that decision? Well, here Jesus has a decision that's very serious about who's going to be those disciples that are with them and also know that they're going to be the ones that are going to be from the first spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he spent an entire night praying. In verse 13, so at daybreak, after praying all night, at daybreak, he called together his followers and chose 12 of them to to be the inner circle of disciples. And these were appointed as his apostles or his missionaries. Here are their names. Simon also called Peter, Andrew, who was Simon's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was a member of the Zealots and a subversive political party. It's one of those things that they just kind of slide in there to let us know that it wasn't just everyone that people thought was going to be a part of the crowd. And then Judas, 
the son of James, and then Judas Iscariot. And as it says there, the one who would later betray him. So as we think about the most important decisions and the most important beginning points of Jesus' life and ministry, prayer was instrumental. But even even as you look through the New Testament and you think about the miracles and the, the things that were that we kind of go to in the teaching of Jesus, all of them are surrounded by and the foundation of them is prayer. When Jesus fed the five thousand, he prayed over the little bit of fish and the little bit of bread. And what happens after the prayers? They begin the disciples begin to break the bread and and share the fish a basket full that was just enough for a a young boy maybe a couple of friends now feeds over 5,000 men plus wives and children and prayer was instrumental in that or what about when Jesus had been again at night been in prayer and he'd been a part of his ministry and he was tired and it says he needed to get away from the crowds and so He sent his disciples on. He put them in a boat and he sent them across the sea. And Jesus went up to the mountaintop to pray. And about the break of day, Jesus begins to walk toward them. And the disciples see someone walking toward them on the water. And they think it's a ghost. But Jesus himself is walking on the water to his disciples. And that incident happened after Jesus had spent an extraordinary amount of time with the Father. Or even as Jesus is about to go to the cross and he sees and understands what's ahead of him. The the magnitude of the cross is before him. And so what does he do? He walks down from the mountaintop and with a few of his disciples, he goes down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he says to his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and says, hey, you guys stay right here and pray for me. We got some serious stuff is about to happen, and, and y'all don't understand the magnitude of it, but, but pray for me as I go and pray. And So Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and, and prays three times, and, and each time with great weeping and just overcome with grief because he knows what's happening. Even as Scripture tells us, to the point of bleeding, sweating blood. He understood what was ahead, but even in the midst of that, instead of trying to solve it on his own, he went to his knees and said, Father, if there's any other way than this, provide an option. But that was his prayer. And that's for some of us, we have moments that are moments of crisis of faith and life. And we cry out to the Father, if there's any other way than this, please do it. But if this is your way, that I'm in. And then even on the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's a prayer. That is a prayer to the Father for us. We did not know what we were doing. So if Jesus is our example of the Jesus life, of what it looks like to be a Christian, And if Jesus prayed, then why don't we pray? Or why don't we even pray even more? Well, I mean, honestly, many times we're just, we say that we're too busy. 
that we have this mindset of it has to be 30 minutes or an hour. It has to be in a room. It has to be whatever that you kind of have bought into what prayer is. You just tell yourself that you're too busy to pray. But the scripture says, pray without ceasing. Wherever we go, pray. So maybe we're actually too busy to not pray. If prayer was a part of Jesus' life, we should be praying even in the midst of our busyness. Or maybe you're like I have been at times, and just honestly, you just doubt whether prayer really works. Does prayer really work? But I've seen it too many times where someone prays and there's an immediate effect. But many times, it's maybe not immediately, but within a few days, a few weeks, a few months, or even a few years, the effective prayers of man do much. And so to see that it works and to know and understand and to see the stories and to hear the stories from other people's lives and to know that prayer works. Maybe not always like I would want, and maybe not in the the time frame that I would want, but to know that God cares for us intimately. And he tells us over and over, cast your cares, cast your burdens, pray to me, talk with me. But that's what prayer is, is a relational conversation. Another thing about prayer is that sometimes we just question our pool or our authority or our ability to pull weight with God. That we forget the truth that God is our Father. And as Scripture tells us, He's a good Father. He cares for us. And that our weight, honestly, doesn't come from anything we've done or not done. Our weight comes from us being a child of God through Jesus. Through saying yes to Jesus, we become a child of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, of God the Father. And he asks us to crawl up into his lap and just request from him like a child does a father. Hey, Dad, I need. Hey, Dad, I've been thinking. Hey, Dad, I want. And sometimes Dad says no. Sometimes Dad says yes. Sometimes Dad says not just yet. The time is not right. You really maybe will receive it, but right now you wouldn't even fully appreciate what you've been given. Or maybe you just don't know how to pray. Maybe you've never been taught. Maybe you've never just listened or no one has ever sat with you and and talked with you and modeled for you what it means to pray. And Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray. So there's good company. If you feel like, hey, I don't even know how to pray, well, Jesus' disciples, who were students of the book, who hung out with Jesus, got to a point and say, listen, we, we kind of do this thing that we think is prayer, but, but our prayers are not as effective as Jesus's. And so maybe you have that sense of you don't even know how to do it. And Jesus' disciples saw that there was an undeniable relationship between Jesus' prayer life and the power and authority of his life, his ministry, and his miracles. 
even see it in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he did. He taught his disciples how to pray. Not, not what to pray. He didn't get them a formula to pray. He just taught them how to pray. And basically he taught them, sit down with a cup of coffee with your dad and just talk with him. And how do you begin to pray? I want to give you a couple of just pointers from, from Scripture and God's Word and just some practical stuff and how to pray. The first thing is plan. Plan when you're going to pray. Maybe set aside some time, a few minutes each morning, a few minutes every evening. Maybe set a, an alarm on your watch for a few times a day that you know that you generally have a few moments. And again, it's not something that you have to have a room to get away in, but just some time to just stop and to just focus for a few moments and say, God, thank you that you're God and I'm not. I confess that I've tried to be in control of, of my life and of my day, and I give thanks for who you are. And, Lord, right now, as I think about my day, I'm going to pray for my kids. I'm going to pray for my kids' teachers. I'm going to pray for my boss. I'm going to pray for my workmates. I'm going to pray for the person that I talk to every day when I get lunch and I don't know their name. I want to know their name today and begin to, to plan out some times to just spend a few moments thinking about God and praying with him. Then also after you pray, just begin to prepare. Prepare your heart for the adventure God has for you. Because I promise you that as you begin to pray and you begin to pray through your day, that God's going to put people and places and, and opportunities before you to love your neighbor and to care for them. And so it may be that the person that you get a sandwich from every single day is that once you know their name, you're going to begin to, to begin to have a conversation, begin to build a relationship with them. And know who knows what God may do through your heart being ready and prepared to love your neighbor. Also then as you pray, begin to and plan in the midst of that. Prepare for the things that are ahead, but also then understand and look at the places. Maybe even GPS kind of some of the spots that you've gone and where you regularly go and, and where you're going to be visit. Make a mental map of those places and begin to pray. God, prepare me for what you have for me that day. Even as we've begun worship services, there are people that walk through our building and walk through our worship center and just say, God, we don't know what you want to do today, but we are receptive and ready for what you want to do. Spirit of God, move in the hearts and lives of me, but also those that will be in attendance. And so the same idea is before you go into the places that you're going to go, ask God to be ready and to have your heart and your mind and your soul ready for what's ahead of you. And then also, you're going to meet people throughout the day. Pray that God will show you the people that he has for you and then how you can bless them. There's a wonderful story by Christian author and speaker Beth Moore. And Beth Moore was in the midst of traveling from place to place, as she normally does. And this one time, she's in an um, airport, and she's doing some studies. She's kind of prepping and thinking. And um, in the midst of that, she closes up her Bible, and she looks up. And as she looks up, she sees an older gentleman in a wheelchair kind of by himself that someone had kind of, one of the workers had wheeled there and maybe gone off to get something to drink or whatever. He's there, and he has long hair. And this long hair is, is, is matted. It's not really clean. 
And the Spirit of God begins to speak to her and say, Beth, go ask that guy if you can comb his hair. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. You can imagine she's like, mm, no, not going to have it. I mean, look at all these people around here. What will they think of this? It's like, it's, what's he going to think? This feels maybe a little creepy to be able to do this, but she obeys. And she goes over to this gentleman and she says, hey, how are you doing? My name is Beth. What's your name? And he tells her, and she says, listen, I've got a, a, a unique thing I need to ask you. And she said, I, I just feel like you, you need someone to comb your hair. And I would love to be able to comb this beautiful hair that you've got. And she said, but I don't have a comb. I don't have a brush. And he said, I can't believe that you would ask me this. I have a brush in my bag back behind me and so she gets the brush out and she's beginning to brush his hair and, and talk to him he says thank you so much you don't know what this means he goes I, I know that I don't look put together right now I just got out of the hospital I just had heart surgery and I'm about to go home to see my bride my wife is in ill health and she wasn't able to come with me and so I know that I'm about to see her after I get off the plane when I get back home and I want to be presentable for my bride and you are making it possible for that to happen. And Beth just began to weep <laughs> in that moment. And she's like such a simple little prodding from the Spirit of God made it possible to make this older gentleman presentable for his bride. And as she finished combing his hair, she sat down in front of him and looked at him and she said, Sir, I just want you to know that I, I thank you for allowing me to comb your hair, number one. And number two, I want to ask you a question. Do you know my Jesus? And the old man began to tear up and he said, Thank you so much for what you did, but also thank you for asking me that question because, yes, I do know your Jesus. Your Jesus is my Jesus because my bride would not be my bride if I had not said yes to Jesus over 40 years ago. That was the number one requirement of my bride, is that we together would know Jesus and grow together in him. Beth, thank you for your obedience. Church, we are the bride of Christ. And a part of our calling as the bride of Christ is to comb the hair of those around us that we may not know. We may not know their story. It may feel a little out of our comfort zone. But that's what it means. That's what it's like. That's the adventure of being a follower of Jesus. The saying, today is not my day. It's not my agenda. Father, I want to be a blessing to those around me. And the beginning of being a blessing to our neighbor is praying. And that prayer really is a, an attitude of saying, God, you're God and I'm not. What do you want to do in me and through me today for your fame and for your glory? Thanks so much for joining us this morning. I pray that your heart is enlarged that your understanding of prayer is changed and that you think about what it means to be open to God setting you forward in an adventure of a lifetime, that your life could be full as you seek Jesus.
Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.